Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. We all have a date with death. And to me, I know that I will keep going and pushing and, and trying to live my best life, whatever that means, for as long as I'm alive. But not everyone has the same philosophy or the same attitude towards life. And some people, when they see a big adversity or something that goes really wrong, they, they just contract. They just contract into a lower position, if you will. And, and they just live on lower key because, you know, look at what happened. I mean, we must be more careful. And life, it's going to keep throwing curveballs at you. And you can just, hey, great, I've got that one. I'm still alive. I learned the lesson. I'm stronger than before. Or you can get scared and say, fuck, I, I hope this doesn't happen again, which this one, by the way, is my mom. She knows that at any given moment, some sort of disaster could come and destroy our lives forever. So therefore, you need to be careful all the time. <laughs> so it's the approach towards life that makes people make one decision or the other. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Carlos, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I was introduced to you by way of uh, one of our former guests, Christine McAllister. And yeah. when I read the first line of the email that she sent me, I thought, yes, absolutely. I want to talk to this guy. This sounds crazy. There's got to be a really interesting story here. So on that note, uh, I thought I would start by asking you, where in the world did you grow up? Uh, and how did that end up impacting the choices that you've made throughout your life and your career? Yeah, good question. Um I'm I'm from Spain. I grew up in a little city, and more than the location, what is important is the surrounding of the people that I had around me when I grew up. And it was like a um, how it wasn't a big city, so you you were exposed to the reality that, that was there. There wasn't many choices, right? Like small town, um, kid grows up, um, other kids. Um, you know, you see what everyone else is doing. So you, your wall is smaller. That's what I'm trying to say. You see what you see and that's it. Um, and that was a small city in the north of Spain by the beach, beautiful location. And how it impacted me, I would say that because of the scarcity that I was living in and my parents were, they never had much money. Um, they always worked really hard for very little money. Um, and to me, that was that there was something that wasn't wasn't quite right. And I always wanted, you know, I'm, I'm, I wanted more for myself. And I always searched for what could I do to make more, right? And then you use the tools and the resources that you have available around you. And you know, as as I was saying at the beginning, if if what's around you it's limited, you just pick whatever is available. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So where did that lead, uh, you know, when you're, when you have this sort of, you know, limited sense of possibility and then why is it that, you know, despite being that environment, you still had sort of the awareness to see that maybe something bigger was possible. 
Yeah. So the the thing is, what I was what I saw is that I wasn't I, I wasn't happy with what I got. I was happy with what I had, but I wanted I always wanted more. And and I would see my parents working really hard, and I would see like they're living their lives like always, always saving, like. Um, stopping themselves from having a better life, stopping themselves from spending money, always looking for all these things. And, and I didn't know anybody. I was just a little kid and this little kid wanted, wanted, wanted more. And all, all, every single way that I could find to make more money, to get more money was apparently, <laughs> apparently wrong. And, and because of the people that I was surrounded and I could see like my reality was, was the reality of the kids around me. And these kids, uh, I, I could see the cool kids that they were kind of, you know, like started would start doing some drugs here and there. And I would see myself as a shy, introverted kid that would would never, you know, I was just studying and getting getting my my. I was studying at school by the time, and and at some point, my reality expanded, and that is that um, to go to high school, I had to go to a different city. And then I realized that was the first time that I realized, okay, so now here I can become someone else because these people don't know who I am. So I don't don't need to be stuck in my old identity. Why would I choose to be the shy introverted kid where I could hang out with the gangsters and with 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 bad boys, become one of them, and no one would think I'm an imposter because they don't know who I am? And that was my first realization. I'm like, okay. That's cool. So I I became overnight the 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 bully, right? I was I was being bullied at school, and now I was the bully. I was the bad guy, and and I got myself into all this into all this stuff, and not on purpose because I was I didn't know any better. I realized after years that you can reverse engineer the process, right? And 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 the same way that I got into being surrounded by people doing the wrong things, quote unquote. I'm not judging, but it, it wasn't the best choice. Um, later on, many, many, many years later, I realized that, oh, hang on a second. If by surrounding yourself by the bad boys, you end up being, being one of them, what if you surround yourself by, you know, some other kind of people? And, and then I, I mean, it, it wasn't a, an overnight realization, but something that I learned over the years, um, through a lot of trial and error. No. Well, so, you know, one of my old mentors, um, often used to say, he said, you know, your temporary circumstances don't have to become your permanent identity yet, you know, for so many people they do. And you seem to have basically taken a circumstance you know, that was an identity and changed it multiple times. Um, you know, one, what enables that? And two, let's get a bit deeper into this sort of bad boy drug dealing phase, because there's no way I'm going to let you get away with not, you know, going deeper. <laughs> there's got to be crazy shit that has happened during those periods. But let's start with that question of circumstance and identity, because, you know, often people feel that their circumstances and their identity are intertwined. And, you know, if they don't have the the sort of you know luxury of an environment change like you did, how does somebody go about changing you know, that sense of that that sense of identity that you know this is who I am? Uh, my circumstances are my identity. Yeah, look, uh, but back at the time, that's a great question, and um, back at the time, I didn't realize that you could you could do that on purpose, right? I was I was being led by the circumstances. I was. At home, I was the cool, shy, super, you know, well-behaved kid. Um, at school, now I was I was becoming a bully and a, and a bad guy. Um, for my friends, for you know, I they would see the, the whole transformation. So I started I stopped hanging out with one friends and I stopped and I started hanging out with with another, with different people. Um, and that was just that when I was at high school. But then when I joined university, because I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer, I'm an industrial engineer, and then I, I had to adopt a, a different personality. So, so I was always juggling between different personalities, depending on the environment that, that I was in, because I wanted to fit. Um, but I wasn't, it wasn't my choice. It was, it was something generated by the, 
the outside circumstances. And to add something more to the mix, when I joined corporate, then about, uh, at this time, I was a DJ, I was a drug dealer, I was an engineer, I was a bad, <laughs> the, the, bad, the bad boy uh, uh, with my friends and the good, the good guy at home. So it became really exhausting because I was all constantly juggling between these personalities. And not, not that I was some sort of psychopath, right? But you kind of, people expect something from you. And the, the, the way I got into all this stuff is because I was like, all these kids are doing all this stuff. All these kids seem to be the cool kids. They hang out with cool people. They just do like all these things. So, okay, let's, let's see what, what's all about. And because that's, I didn't know anything else. And that was my reality. I'm like, okay, so that's, so that's cool. All these kids are doing that. All these kids are doing fun. They don't seem to be doing anything wrong. Apart from the fact that it's illegal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, why wouldn't I make a profit out of it? If, if we, I'm doing, my friends are doing it. We all having fun. There's nothing wrong with it. So I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm just gonna take advantage of that. And that started as a game to be a, a, the cool kid, right? And it became like a big, like a six figure business eventually. And, but I, I always knew that it was wrong. I always knew that I needed to, to turn off this part of my life at some point, but you know, it was convenient at the time. It was generating me some money. Um, I was still like the DJ kind of living the rock star lifestyle, um, which, by the way, didn't didn't lead me to any anywhere good. But it was fun. Yeah. And and then at some point, and you know, I thought, well, now it's time to join corporate because this is what uh, decent people do. This is what you know, good, good people do, right? I need to join corporate, find a girlfriend, buy a house and a car, and then I'll eventually have kids. And, <laughs> and I quit everything. I quit DJing, I quit the drugs, I quit everything to join corporate. And I'm, I'm, when I'm, I'm in corporate, I'm like, holy cow, like uh, I had been like five years in, I was, I had anxiety, um, couldn't sleep at night, had insomnia, was on, on drugs to sleep. I was still smoking joints to, to be able to sleep, caffeine, lots of caffeine during the day to stay awake um, until one day I ended up in hospital um, with a with almost dying out of a heart attack. And I was wow. 29. Damn. And, and then I'm like, okay, maybe corporate is not what, <laughs> what I'm supposed to be doing, right? And and then is when I started analyzing everything, and uh, I started getting into personal development, and and I could see things that I had never seen before, and I could now make sense. You know, Steve Jobs said in in one of his most famous speeches that that you can only connect the dots looking back, yeah. and and now I understood all the things that led me to the point the point where I was in life. And I can see how it all makes sense. And I could understand, I could see the, the parts. I could see, I could see the machine that had created this, this reality and how it happened. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hmm. Well, so, you know, as somebody who was selling drugs, you mentioned, you know, there's a six figure business. I mean, this makes me want to kind of do a, a bit of a dive into looking at, you know, sort of drug policy in different countries around the world, different countries yeah. around the world. And then also, you know, you know, what are the, the perceptions that, you know, sort of media creates about drug dealers versus the reality? Because you know, what do I see? I see narcos. Right. And to me, I'm like, oh, you're like a potential future Pablo Escobar in the making. And so I wondered two things. One, you know, what does media get wrong? And what do we who, you know, don't ever end up in situations like yours misunderstand about, you know, people who do? Uh, two, were you afraid you were ever going to get caught? Uh, I mean, how did you manage to, you know, evade the law and, and, you know, get away with this while simultaneously knowing that, you know, the consequences of it could be severe? Now, I, I don't know, you know, what it's like uh, in Spain, but I know, you know, here in the United States, unfortunately, we have, you know, a huge population in prison that is there for nonviolent drug offenses, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. 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 Look. This is not a good thing to do in Spain. You, you go to jail. Um, I would say that I was using a talent um, to do the wrong thing. And, and at some point it got really... And look, one of the things, a, a disclaimer here, I don't want anyone to think that I'm proud of what I did or that that is something that I you know share proudly by any mean. Um, it took me many years, it, like until, until I was 38, um, I would be living like prisoner of my own reality, prisoner of my own past, because I was so ashamed of all I did, and I was I could not share that with anyone, and that would would create a lot of anxiety. And me living a life that it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't being true. Um, and and the day that I decided to run my business, I decided to break free from from all my past and all my the the, the bad things that I did. I I decided to share that. And understand that for you to love who you are today, you cannot hate the experiences that you've gone through in the past. And, and, and I just want to say that because I don't want anyone to hear, to hear me talking to think, oh, this guy, you know, um, I've, I've paid my, <laughs> I've paid my toll. I've been about to die many times and I've, I've have had to go through a lot of stuff that I wish I shouldn't have. But this it's also my reality. So it, it allowed me to understand today that all the things that I've done, good and bad, had taught me like very important lessons that made me the man that I am today. Um, and, and going back to your question, the thing is that nothing is as good or as, or, as, or as bad as we tend to believe. And the things that we don't know, we just don't know them. And I wasn't, I wasn't at, the, at the level of Pablo Escobar or Narcos and all this sort of stuff. Um, I, it all started as a game and I'm like, well, if everyone does it, why I wouldn't? 
And and then of course you see the potential. You can see one one thing leads leads to the other. And what you basically do is you're always hiding from from the law, um, trying not to get caught, trying not to get into much trouble, making sure that they don't follow you. Like at the at, when I when I quit, I quit because I was I was always paranoid all the time, trying you know like thinking that they were chasing me, thinking that they were coming after me. And and in some respects it was because they they were after me all the time. Um, but I, I just I just quit. I mean, that wasn't going to be my life. Uh, it, it was it was a, a means to an end. It was the wrong means to, to the right end. Um, and at some point I decided to quit. Now, the reality, that was my reality. The, the reality for the people like, when they would end up de- dead. Other people, they would end up in prison. Other people, they would end up so fucked up in their head because of the drugs that they never they never got, a, got out of it. So... What I'm trying to say is reality is different for everyone. And you see these stories on TV, you'll see like a lot of people that got away with it and live crazy lives and and some of the people got got shot. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. So as somebody who, you know, was an ex-drug dealer, when you look at drug policy around the world and you see, you know, things like in Portugal where they decriminalize drug use and, you know, paradoxically drug use goes down, you, what do you? What is your perspective on policy when it comes to this? Is it something that we should decriminalize? Um, you know, and and if we do, how do you do it in a way that is safe that doesn't you know go off the rails? Because you know, look, it's funny because we're you know, you're on a podcast where there are a lot of people who are into personal development and, and a common you know you know like thing in, in personal development circles is, you know, exploration of their own spirituality through use of drugs, like, you know, mushrooms and ayahuasca mm-hmm. and you know, going to Burning Man and shit like this, um, you know, which you look, I mean, I've done my fair share of experimentation and it's, it's been beneficial, but I also realized there would be a point of diminishing returns if I continued, particularly when I was younger. Um, yeah. I saw a kind of, okay, this is going to destroy me if I, if I keep going down this path. Um, and, and I saw exactly what you were talking about with the paranoia, like when we were in college, I, I think this was late, you know, early, you know, uh, 2000s, late 90s, like 99, when ecstasy was like a big craze and raves started becoming very popular in the United States. And one of our friends lived with a roommate who literally just, you know, walked around perpetually with a backpack and Anytime they had a party, he would have to leave the house the minute it looked like a cop might show up. I mean, he lived in the state of paranoia that you're talking about. So all that being yeah. said – you know, the average, you know, drug user, some of them are probably people who listen to this podcast. Like the joke was you do for me was like, if you drug tested at a company like Google, half the employees would probably be gone, you know? Um, <laughs> so, you know, what do you sort of, you know, as somebody who sold drugs, like what is your view on policy and, and decriminalization and, and doing this in a way that uh, is, is safe and, and, you know, has benefits potentially? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So look, uh, you, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about data. Like I don't have the right the exact numbers, but all the countries that made legal or that they they criminalize this these things, making it more like less illegal sort of thing. Like they've seen an, a, a decrease on the criminality or, or or the way that people handle with deal with with drugs. The thing is that if you tell people don't do something, they will do it. Okay. Um, and, and when it was. I, I can't. I don't know the, the words in English for that, but there was a time in the United States they 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 forbidden. They made alcohol prohibited, right? Yeah. Uh, I think they call it the the dry law. I don't know. That's how we call it in Prohibition, Spanish. Yeah. Prohibition. Yeah. It, you cannot you cannot prohibit some things, right? What they did, they they would they would start making it illegal. So I think they should find there, there must be a balance, and there are sub substances that they. Unfortunately, I don't think that some drugs should be ever legal because of the level of, of addiction and the damage that they do to, to, to the people that consume them. I would say that drugs like marijuana or, so, or some of the soft drugs um, should be, and I know that some countries, and especially in, in, in the United States, I know that in some states they are already legal or you, at least not as, as, as what happens in Europe. And I think I see that as a positive. I see that positive like... You want to you want to give more education to people. Um, I've been in festivals um, where everyone knows that the people are going to do drugs because there's all this like I don't I don't like to associate one kind of music to one drug. 
but when you put all these people into a 24 hours dance music event, you know there's going to be drugs. So you have two different approaches. Yeah. You can you can put the police there, like beating the shit out of everyone that has drugs, or you can put people there that explains people the risks of drug consumption. That say, hey, do you have any sort of drug with you? Yes. Okay. So how are you planning to take that today? And give people the information so they can make the right decision. If you think that people are all stupid and they're all going to make stupid things, well, guess what? They will. But if you give them the information and help them out to make the right decision, I I think it would be a much better solution than just, you know, making things illegal. Uh So uh, how did this period of your life uh, affect your your relationships with, you know, family, with friends, et cetera? I mean, if you're, you know, living in this perpetual state of paranoia, um, but you happen to be rolling in cash, you know, and your parents, you know, not being from wealth or suddenly seeing this change, uh, how did that affect your relationship with the people in your life? Yeah, great question. So, well, with my parents, because they had all this trust in me and because I was their son, right? So I took advantage of that and they, they're great people. And I always kind of managed to get away with the things that I was doing, trying to, you know, like finding like in, in inexplicable stories around that. Um, my relationship with environments has been always great, but I did some terrible things. And the worst thing that I ever done to my parents is when I was 21 and I was living this, this rockstar lifestyle, I was DJing and doing drugs and partying and whatnot. And I was just 21. I was just a kid. And and one day coming, uh, I don't know if I was coming up or what I was doing, but I was I was probably driving too high on something and probably too drunk as well. And I just crashed my, my car against the wall. And and I woke up five days later in a after after a coma in a hospital. And everyone thought I was gonna die. And 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 I, I almost I was almost dead. So no no one no one can no one really finds the explanation how I how I pulled <laughs> how I pulled that one out and and it was a, a huge wake up call for me because I realized on the one hand that we we are living this life and you know like I was I was I was the 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 cause I mean I was doing all the wrong things I ha- I was buying all the lottery tickets it was a matter of time that that someone was going to happen to me. And, but I didn't expect it, right? Uh, and one day I'm living the best life that I could imagine, and the following day I'm gone. And and it would happen to me at that moment, and it could happen to any one of us, because I was doing the wrong things. But, you know, like, you, you see it happening. People wake up in the morning, go to work, um, they get run over by a truck, gone. And and that was like, wow, if that can happen in that, in that you know, in such a short period of time without without an announcement or, you know, we think that we're going to be gone. We're going to see it coming from the distance and it's not like that. Um, so that was my wake up call. And then the other thing that I realized is that all the pain that I was doing to the people around me, because the reckless, you know, the, the kind of life that I was living, I wouldn't care about anything. So they would suffering the consequences of my bad decisions. And of no. course, family is family. And, they would, you know, and in my case, I know that they will ever love me no matter what I do. And the same, and the same, and I would love to know the way, way they did, but, but the people around you suffers because you you cannot, you cannot really, I mean, you know, if you love your family, if you, you love your friends, you need to love yourself first and take care of yourself because all the people, yeah, it's, again, it's, it's, it's selfish otherwise. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Well, so this is, you know, a common pattern I think I've seen across every single person that I have interviewed. If I could find one thread, this might just be it, is that some sort of major crisis in their life is often the catalyst for, you know, a massive transformation, which is is not surprising because, I mean, Joseph Campbell wrote about this in The Hero's Journey. And so often I wonder why does it take something like, you know, a near-death experience for people to have this wake-up call to realize that, wait a minute, I have this one life. And I need to make it worthwhile. And, you know, yeah. they don't have this sort of tragic, you know, catalyze, you know, catalyzing event. Um, often they just stay comfortable. I think I've had one person who told me that um, they didn't have something like this happen. I think it was Gretchen Rubin, which is kind of hilarious. And she writes about happiness. Yeah. 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 So, well, I think we grow through, like it or not, we grow through pain. And, when we when we have fun and things go well, that's fantastic. It's time to celebrate and enjoy. But it is the times that we are rock bottom, the times that we are going through pain. The the like pain will will break you, will will make you grow. And and to me that was a, a wake up call. And then I had like a bunch, like a three more experiences similar to that one, um, which reinforced my belief about. You know, life should be lived and enjoyed because we hopefully we're going to stay here for many years, but you never know. So I don't know, like every time that I went through a breakthrough, it's been it's been through real pain. There's something that it it makes you realize and understand. And and you're right, like in the personal development industry, I know a lot of friends that are coaches and how funny, like I've got, I know a lot of uh, a bunch of drug dealers and people who had like. <laughs> nearly, nearly that experiences as well, because we, you know, it's it's a way to see things very clearly. Yeah. Well, you said that you know it makes some people and it breaks others. Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Look, yeah, I see. I see two different kinds of people, right? Um, like the people that give up and people that don't. <laughs> Like I, I, boil, I boil it down to a binary decision, and in in my case, and I'm I'm gonna share my examples. In my case, like, well, if I know there's one 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 of my favorite authors, his his name was Wayne Dyer, and he used to say, "We all have a date with death." Now, knowing that we're gonna be there at some point, why don't we go now? 
and we we have this date now. So then we can just go and, sell and, and, and live our lives. And to me, I know that I, I will keep going and pushing and, and trying to live my best life, whatever that means, for as long as I'm alive. But not everyone has the same the same philosophy or the, the same attitude towards life. And some people, when they see a big adversity or something that goes really wrong, they they just contract. They just contract into a into a, a lower position, if you will, and and they just live on lower key because you know, oh, look at the, what happened. We we must be more careful. And and life, we, it's gonna it's gonna keep throwing curveballs at you. And you can just, hey, great, I've got that one. I'm still alive. I learned the lesson. I'm stronger than before. And keep moving forward because now you got better tools. Or you can get scared and say, fuck, I, I hope this doesn't happen again, which this one, by the way, is my mom. She's a beautiful human being. I love her to bits. But she is the kind of person that she she knows that at any given moment, it could some sort of disaster could come and destroy our lives forever. So therefore, you need to be careful all the time. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, I would say that it's 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 the approach towards life that makes people make one decision or the other. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's shift gears and and get into sort of where things start to go from here because you know you know I understand that you you leave corporate, you start a business, and so two things that I wonder about. Uh, you know, one, what are the lessons from being a drug dealer that you've applied to actually this part of your life? Because I'd imagine, despite the fact that you are doing something illegal and doing something bad, there are probably useful skills that come from it that you can apply to something else. Uh, because if you're a drug dealer, you're entrepreneurial, right? And then yeah. as an industrial engineer, I'd imagine that the way that you build things and the way that you see projects and think about things is probably very different than the person who doesn't have that background. So how did those two experiences influence you? Um, and then, you know, sort of, you know, the third sort of layer to this question, actually, let's start with this third question, because I remember this was the other thing that struck me. Christine said that you basically moved to a country where you didn't speak a lick of English. Um, so how in the world do you begin to adapt to an environment in which you you no longer speak the language, um, and suddenly you're trying to do something wildly ambitious. Yeah, I mean the answer to these questions. It's it. I think it's going to come all together in one in one. The the thing is that I had been living my my life being led by circumstances, right? Like drug dealing, because it was what was happening around me. So I, okay, let's do that. My dad had this dream about me living this life, which was working in corporate, having huge responsibility, traveling for business and dress on a suit. And I built my dream, um, you know, like buying into his dream. And I thought that was going to make me happy. So I had no idea what personal development was at this stage. And I saw myself at 29, living the life of someone who wasn't me, living a dream that wasn't my dream. And at this point, I'm like, oh, wow, let's stop this here for a second, because all the things that I've done and all this sort of stuff, this none has made me happy. Nothing has made me happy so far. And the ultimate formula that I thought it was the happiness, it, that it's not made me happy. It's actually making me sad. So I sat down with my parents and I said, hey, look, guys, I know I've done a lot of crazy things. And and I thought that corporate was going to save me, that was going to be the, the making me happy, but but it doesn't. And and I know that you guys have done everything for me and you've you know you've you've been amazing, but at this stage of my life, I just need to find whatever makes me happy. And I have no idea what it is. So I'll just go ahead and find out. And I, I was expecting a little bit of resistance from them because they 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 they're the two most important people of my life, right? I'm not married, I have no kids. Um and back then it was, you know, um and they say, son. Whatever makes you happy will make us happy. I'm like, what? If I just knew that before, <laughs> I would have probably done something different. So at this point, I quit everything. I quit corporate. I quit everything, and I just started. This was this was, this is when my overnight success started, and it took me ten years to build a business. And at this point, I'm like, I need to step back. I need to go somewhere so far away from my comfort zone that I can build myself from scratch, that I can design a life that it makes me happy. And and I didn't speak the language and I always wanted to learn English. So I'm like, okay, where could I go? 
And Australia, for a Spaniard who's never left the country, sounded like a pretty far away exotic place to go. So, so I thought, yeah, why not? <laughs> I, would, I would say a few words in English and say, that should be enough. Um, so I booked a plane and I went to the other side of the world. And of course, like an engineer with a lot of experience in sales and, well, in drug dealing as well, um, you, but without the language, there's no one that's going to give you a job, right? You know, if you can't speak, what are you going to sell? If you can't speak, what kind of engineer are you? So, so there I went. And, and, and I just went willing to reinvent myself, willing to do anything and everything to, to learn what's life about, to find the thing that makes me happy. And, and of course, all the lessons from my years, um, you know, surrounding myself by the wrong people. I, I, what, one of the biggest lessons or the biggest lessons of all to me was that it's very easy to, to hack your success if you learn who you need to surround yourself with. Because in the same way that I built a reality around me that, that was drugs and drug dealing, now I build realities around me that are successful people and people who are making way more money and much more bigger impact than the impact of the money that I'm making. And now that becomes my reality. And, and that's, that's what I've been implementing ever since. Mm, wow. Um, well, let's, you know, talk about this because there's, you know, a lot of nuances to, you know, self-improvement and, and personal development. And I think that there is this tendency um, in the self-improvement world to look at self-help as the solution to all your problems, where a lot of people get caught up in this sort of vicious cycle of inspiration with no action. It's kind of like, oh, I read all these books, I go to all these seminars, and yet nothing changes. They just become sort of junkies. And I think that there is this sort of, you know, instinct to confuse, you know, uh, activity with true accomplishment. And often people enjoy that part because it gives them the high they're seeking, but they don't really do the work that actually leads to the results because it's kind of like you read a book, right? And if you read the book, but you don't put any of the ideas into action, you're no better off than had you not read the book. You have this knowledge, but what the, what the hell is the point of knowledge that you don't apply? Absolutely. Absolutely. how do you begin to break people of that? Because, you know, I, I have had a lot of really fascinating conversations about the world of self-help, you know, with, you know, people who have, you know, gotten people out of cults. We had a cult deprogramming expert here uh, last week. You know, we aired an episode with a guy who wrote a book called The Life-Changing Science of Detecting Bullshit. And frankly, I think he was absolutely right. There's a lot of bullshit in personal development, um, yeah. you know, that makes people feel good, but doesn't change anything for them. So again, I think that the thing is, look, and I'm saying this as somebody who's interviewed authors that fall into that category, I probably would, you know, say that even my own books fall into that category. Uh, and yet a lot of people just kind of treat guidance as gospel and assume that this is the person who has the solutions to all my problems. And if I just do exactly what they say, everything will change. But you and I both know that's not true. Like if you did exactly what I have done to build my business and I did exactly what you did to do build yours, there's no question we would get wildly different results because our context, our background is incredibly different. So mm. how do people take information or, or insight from personal development and adjust it to the context of their life? Because I think that is one of the fatal flaws in how people go about trying to use all of this information. Yeah, well, that's that's a great question. Um, I would say that the first thing that people need to be willing to do is is to go, like, take some risks. Because sitting in your couch reading a book, it's great. You get a good high, but the good the high it's it's gone the next morning, and you go back to your normal life. Um, personal development and personal growth, again, growth happens through pain, and that doesn't mean that you need to fustigate yourself or, you know, like punish yourself. But, but what I mean is like when I went to Sydney, well, I'm telling you the good things now, right? But, but I was one day, I remember one day I was, I was standing in front of this, this guy who was, I was trying to buy a ticket to, to, to jump in the, in the metro in the tube. I, I, I almost burst into tears. Because I wasn't understanding what he was saying. The people behind me were lining up and they were complaining. I couldn't pay the freaking ticket. 
and I was almost, I mean, I was, I was all about to break into, 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 into tears. And that wasn't a fun moment, but I, I learned a lot of stuff. So what, what you do is you learn these things and you need to be, be, be willing to put yourself in, you know, in the position of growth. And of course, everyone has a different life. So you need to understand what it is, the, the, the moral or the outcome or what you're trying to achieve out of the books that you read and ask the right questions. How could I do this? How could I make this happen for me? What would that look like for me? And, and you know, the answers will be different for everyone, but I think that asking the right, the right questions, at least asking questions, <laughs> Because some people think that just by reading a book, you know, getting this knowledge, you're going to the UPW event of Tony Robbins, which which I love, by the way. But it's it's going to work. I mean, this is a great example. You go to a UPW and 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 it's, it's the event from Tony Robbins. You spend a whole weekend. You get out of this like pumped up, like you get in a really big high, and they give you a bunch of tools and strategies and techniques and rituals that you can implement every single day of your life. So you can keep the momentum and and this motivation and 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 everything you know and this motivation keeps keeps being up. But what happens is that most people fall back into the, into the default mode, right? They go to work, they wake up in the morning, they just do the same thing over and over again, and the, the same thing keeps happening to their lives. So yeah, there must be. I think the people that change, they always it, they always change because there's something so painful at some point that they makes them realize that okay. Well, the information that I have, what do I do to change things for one and for and, and for once and forever? So I don't. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. It's a hard one to uh, to respond, but but be willing to put yourself into the situation of out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. or wait until something painful enough happens so you so you finally do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I tend to the joke, you know, that I often have with my guests is I ask questions that have no answers. <laughs> that was a tricky one. I was sweating, but yeah, well, but it's 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 true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the real purpose behind questions like that is that I think people want a map, and I, I, that it just you know makes me realize like the only place you're going to end up with on somebody else's map is where they've ended up, and uh, you know, and that's if you're lucky. So that's, you know, something that I think is, is incredibly important that is often uh, overlooked in this process. So, you know, let, let's talk briefly about mindset around money, because, uh, you know, from what Christi, Christine told me, you organically, you know, grew this into a million dollar business, which, you know, I think any one of us who is listening to this would be like, wow, you did all of this organically. Like, why did that happen when, you know, people are literally every day looking for like the latest marketing hack, the, you know, hey, what strategy now to get you know more people to my website? Like, you know, it, it's amazing how much time people spend on ancillary activities and how much they ignore foundational work. Um, so mm. what are the foundations that enable, you know, the building of a million dollar business um, and how much of that is mindset and how much of it is, is strategy? Yeah. Good question. I would say that I, would, I, I got lucky. And, and again, this, uh, that was my overnight success. It took me 10 years, 10 years of personal research and, and personal development. And, and, and I think that some people get, get the formula wrong, right? Like we all, we all inspired that we all motivated by the, the money and the success and the freedom that comes with it. And then what we do is to find the strategies or the techniques that are going to get us the money. And we forget about finding what it is that it motivates us, what it is that's going to make you happy. That's going to make you feel fulfilled moving forward. And, and, and a solid foundation of your business, which basically is making other people's lives better. And, and for me, it was, you know, like a lot of research, a lot of hard work and not giving up and knowing that no matter what was going to happen, I was going to find out the way to make this thing happen. And this conviction and this certainty, it is definitely one of the keys of my success and for, um, from anyone else, because... Yeah. For all the time that I've been in business, I see so many people starting up and giving up, starting out, giving up. But like, dude, you, you, you need to try a little bit more. 
if you really want something, you need to find a big why that's going to set some good fire under your ass and, and wake you up in the morning. Because I was working 60 hours a week in corporate and I was building my side hustle on the side. And I would wake up at 5 a.m. I would just go and post on organically, I'd post on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, go to work, find a minute to to post it again, like keep creating this audience, keep adding value. And it was crazy. And I, I don't know many people that, that can do that sustain, like um, consistently for one, two years. Mm-hmm. And and consistency, hard work, and and building an audience, I would say it's probably the most important thing. Yeah. And and from there, like, look, I, I found the right mentors. I found I found the right coaches, and and you know, some people think, and I was one of those for two years that I could do everything myself. That I didn't I didn't need any help because I knew better than anyone. And for two years, I tried to reinvent the wheel. And when I finally <laughs> got to <laughs> When finally this guy gives me the, the formula for the wheel, I'm like, oh, fuck. So that was already invented. <laughs> like, so, so I felt like a little, a little bit like an idiot because I thought, well, no one else has an online business. I'm going to build one. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, you know, like this cold sweat, like, cool. So I could have asked before for help. Um, and uh, yeah, just, you know, find someone who's got a business like the one you would try to build and copy yeah. and copy and there is once something that picasso pablo picasso said once and he he said the good artist copy and great artist still and and he was like, he's one of the best artists from um, for all uh, from all times but the thing is that some people try to reinvent the wheel mm. try to they want to be authentic and genuine you know like it's there's nothing wrong with that but hey dude there's something that's working already in the market. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with going and, and, and emulate it. Try to copy it. Try to make it work for you. And then you can improve it and become, and become really authentic and genuine. And, and that worked really well for me. Well, I think there's a nuance that you know people will overlook when they say try to you know when they hear try to copy it and make it work for you um because what they'll overlook you know ron friedman uh, recently wrote this fantastic book called decoding greatness and we you know had him as a guest here and uh you know it was all about the process of reverse engineering and he said that the subtle nuance of that is yes take other people's ideas but apply them in new contexts because that's how they become more effective um and that is often what ends up happening is that people will, you know, in my mind, they see something that works. They try to copy it exactly to the letter. Like I saw this happen. Um, Derek Halpern launched his blog. I remember talking to a blogger who literally copied, you know, Derek's website design to the letter and was surprised he wasn't getting the same results. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm like, Derek has like 10 years of experience building websites that you don't. No wonder you're not getting the same results. Like it's not that's and they often, I think, miss the point when it comes to these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a great point. And I heard something. Yeah, who was talking about that? Yeah, um, uh, Patrick Jan. I can't remember the name exactly, but the, the the name of the book is called "Your Stand Is Your Brand," and mm. he's talking Patrick Jan Tempo. I think is, is the name. I, I forgot. I read the book twice. It's a great book. So he was saying, like, you can copy someone, but when you copy what you see, and you can get some results, but you don't know the logic behind. You don't know all the you know all the mechanisms and all the reason and all the work that's been behind to create this thing that now it's super successful. It's the tip of the iceberg, right? So you copy it and you don't see the same results. So this is why, you know, you, you want to find someone who you can model. And, and this, this is when, when the power of proximity and having the right mentor and the right coaches is going to play a fundamental role. Um, because if you share a big information and you try to copy something that's expecting similar results, it's not going to work. But if you find the right strategy, you model it, you implement it, and then you add your twist, your own flavor to it, once you've mastered the skill, then the result is going to be completely different. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, you talked about this idea that, you know, sort of everybody is chasing sort of the money, the freedom, you know, without examining their underlying motivations, which I, I really appreciate because I think you know, writer Carol probably had one of the best explanations um, I'd ever heard of this. He said, you know, often you set these very arbitrary goals like, hey, a million dollars. He said, but how do you know that's going to make you happy? And what do you think it will give you? Right. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, though, 
every single time I have this conversation with somebody, right? I was just listening to our uh, interview that we had, you know, on Friday with the director of innovation at Google who sold, you know, several startups and I didn't talk about money. He said, yeah, he said, look, he said, the big thing that comes from it is you teach yourself that you can do this and you come to that realization that it doesn't make you as happy as you thought it would be that you would, but it's almost always a person who's already made it that money that is saying that. So for the person who has it, they're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's on gate. Great. But I need to see this for myself because yeah. How do you, how do you wrap their, how does somebody wrap their head around that? If they, you know, like haven't had a million dollars. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good question. Um, I think like would you, I mean, to me, the, one of the things that played the biggest roles, or the, one of the biggest keys of my success, and everyone else around me that's successful, and I always pay a lot of attention, I, I'm, and maybe because of my engineering, my engineer mind, I, I get to pick up patterns really quick. Um, it is the beliefs. And someone who's never had a million dollars, I mean, you really want to understand and feel and see how it is like having them. And and one of the things that I teach my clients is like, hey, um, it's not about what you want to do. It's not about what you need to do to get the success that you want, but who do you need to become? And if you want to build a seven-figure business and you, if you want to be a seven-figure CEO, well, you need to learn not only what they do, but who they are, how they live their lives, how they treat people, how they you know, what What kind of people are they? What kind of leadership skills? What kind of attitude toward life do they have? And and that sounds too woo-woo for the ones who are not ready, but I always say the same thing. Some people, I always said, oh, rich people are very happy because they're rich. And then I realized, oh no, like rich people are rich because they're happy. So it's, <laughs> you, you, you create the person first and then the results will show. Whereas some people fight for their entire life, their entire lives to get the results, being angry, being frustrated, and this doesn't, you know, get them anywhere. So spend time learning about who do you need to be to generate yeah. the result, and how are you going to be when you have the result? Because you can start being this person today and generate the result right now. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause like I, I wrote this article titled why, you know, changing behavior leads to better results than setting goals because changing your behavior become, you, you know, change, causes you to become the type of person who can accomplish that goal. And, and that's something, you know, I, you got this, you know, dream come true of writing a book with a publisher. And I said, you know what, I'm probably not going to write another book with a publisher, maybe in this lifetime. And I'll tell you the biggest benefit that came from it was not seeing my name on a book or, you know, on a bookshelf. It was that I became the type of person who could take a very ambiguous idea, spend a year working on it, and turn it into a reality. Mm. And that, I realized, would serve me well for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But, you know, not everyone is willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, So two final questions um, for you. Uh, you know, as you've become older uh, and, you know, you've accumulated more money and you've become more successful, how has your personal definition of success changed with age? Mm. You know what? It was funny. Last last week, someone asked me, are you successful? <laughs> and I was like, Fuck. I didn't know what to answer at this moment because I'm like, I don't think. I had to have like a um, an honest moment with myself, and and I and I say it out loud. I say, I don't think I'm never going to consider myself successful, because there's always a next level of success that we want to achieve, and because we're not there, sometimes it takes an effort to appreciate what you are, where you are today, and understand that you're successful. Um, so you can reach the next the next level of success. But mm. it changes all the time, and I think one of the one of the common traits of entrepreneurs is that we we always want more, not in a greedy way, but in a way that okay, what's next? If I got that far, where else could I go? How how farther away could I get? And this is what makes us grow. And you need to be really careful because it could make you very unhappy as well, because it could generate not to be happy with who you are today. So. To me, the the definition of success is being 
genuinely happy and grateful for where you are today and knowing that you can get as far as you want as long as you're willing and 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 to put in the work yeah wow um well i have one last question which is how we finish all of our uh interviews on the unmistakable creative um what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable sorry what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable unmistakable being humble being humble um honest being humble and 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 honest you can you can never go wrong with that you can you can never be mistaken and we always like the only way to not to make mistakes is to do nothing and that's also the the, the quickest way to die um, so if you move, if you take action and do things, you will make mistakes. But if you're humble enough to acknowledge them, to be sorry for them if you have to, learn the lesson and move fo- and move <laughs> and move on, it can never wor- go wrong. So y- y- you'll you'll always be unmistakable. Hmm. Amazing. Uh, well. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story, uh, your wisdom and insights with our listeners. Uh, where can people find out more about you, uh, your work and everything that you're up to? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best place they can find me. Uh, it's probably the safest LinkedIn or Instagram, but I like LinkedIn better because Facebook doesn't shut my account down every, every second, every, every second month. <laughs> so yeah, LinkedIn. Carlos, I'll, I'll send you the link. Amazing. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance. 
Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.